when is the best time to plant a tree? Any time. Depends on the type of tree, depends on, it's actually quite a philosophical question. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, profound, profound. If you want to uh, reap the benefits of shade, if you want to reap the benefits of the fruit, if you want to reap the benefits of a good root system or just the, uh, the aesthetics of a tree, plant it 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. Interesting thoughts to take with you. I, um, as has been mentioned, I um, am the state manager for Opportunity International. We do great things with microfinance in some of the poorest places in the world. Um, and I'm very thankful to Elevate Church to support us as an organisation, so thank you. Um, but I'm not here to talk about that this morning. My other aspect of life is I'm the worship pastor at Dalkeith Road Church of Christ. Um, and it's amazing. It's a great role to have. We've been on a, a journey, uh, especially over the last year or so, about transitioning from where we were into where we are and where we want to be, which, again, is quite generic and profound. But we've changed the style of service. And so we've changed some things. And change in a church is always interesting and fun. And trying to bring people along and go, hey, this is where we're going. This is going to be a good thing. This is where we sense God is taking us. And so there's been some significant challenges that I just wanted to share a couple with you. So today we're going to be talking about time equaling awesome, which now that I look at it is not that exciting, but it actually is really quite cool. So time and the use of time to do with leadership and to do specifically with self-leadership. And so some of the greatest leadership challenges I've had over the last 12 months um, have been around people, people in my team. One of our um, singers, uh, like talented musician, she's actually a recording artist in her own right. Uh, and so she recorded a video of herself in the chapel at Dalkeith Road Church of Christ and she was just singing. She was actually just making up the song, playing the piano and kind of singing just as she went. And I was watching this and it was just on Facebook and I was watching it and I went, oh, I forgot how awesome she is. Do you ever have that experience? You're like, oh, that person is actually really incredible. I forgot that. I took it for granted. And so I sat in that for a moment and just relished her amazing talent. And then I got really sad because I thought, I haven't seen that on a Sunday morning for ever. I haven't seen that. I haven't actually seen her unleash her talent upon us. And then uh, over conversations with her, I just kind of worked out that at some stage during her you know, worship career, however you like to look at it, her time as part of the worship team, somebody had actually taken her aside really early on and said, it's not a performance, dear. And inside, part of me died when I heard that. Let me just articulate something really clearly. When we're worshipping as a people, whether that's in music or in word or however you want to worship, there are two ways that you can be. You can be a participant or you can be a spectator. Doesn't matter, you can be either. Like there's no judgment from me, but that's kind of where we sit. But if you are a spectator, everything that happens on this stage is a performance. Everything. And in your mind, you're holding up little numbers. That was a nine. That was a seven. There's a German judge down here. That was a three. But, but that's, how it's, how, that's how it works. That's how we sit. If we are a spectator, acknowledge that and go, wow, I feel like I'm just spectating here. I'm not actually participating. And so therefore, I'm judging everything that happens on stage as a performance. That's on you. That's 
your call. And so for some reason, some lady took this, this amazing person aside and made her spectator view the reality for her. And so after a conversation, I went, hey, Chelsea, her name's Chelsea, um, I just want you to be free. I just want you to unleash on us this gift that you have because when you're not doing that, we're missing out. You're missing out and God is actually missing out. And so the next week, she did. And it was amazing. It was so good. Um, yeah, that was the one thing that I feel like I have done semi-well, which is nice. But the, the second challenge that I, that I have is what I love about churches is we actually draw really talented people. And if you've noticed that, there's really gifted people that are in this church. and any church, you'll find musicians. And it's one of the, the, the strangest environments because uh, there's no other place really where we actually develop people. We take them on a journey. We say, hey, you're not brilliant. Let's come with us and we can kind of learn and get better and better. And then all of a sudden, there's these really gifted people around. Um, we're in a strange situation where the majority of our worship team are either uh, ex-WAPA students current Whopper students or future Whopper students. So they're over here. And there's me. I taught myself to play the guitar four years ago. And I'd semi-sing. So like I'm this, this kind of outlier of these incredibly talented people. And so I've been asking my question, how do I lead people who are more gifted than I am? How do I do that? How do I, as a person in all integrity, who doesn't have, like they've, they've been playing and rehearsing since they were a fetus, like they were incredible musicians. <laughs> How do I lead them? And so one part of the discovery that I, that I have is actually, if you can just provide a space where people are encouraged to reach their potential, then that's good leadership. That's really profound because I look at them and I go, wow, you're capable of so much more because I can see what's in you. They can't see that. We can't perform surgery on ourselves. We need other people to actually look into us and go, hey, I see this for you. There is more than you're currently experiencing. How can we enable that to happen? And so part of that when we talk about leadership is the importance of what we call self-leadership. If you can lead yourself, you can lead anyone. And time, how we deal with time, is really well connected with self-leadership. If we can manage our own time, if we can use time really quite well, then that's actually going to serve us well and then we can actually lead others well. No matter if we're in like an official leadership position or just being a person in the community, we can lead others well if we can actually perform self-leadership. And so we talk about this concept of time. And I'm conscious that you know, time equals awesome. You might be sitting there going, yeah, that's really great. Or if you don't have that opinion of time, you switched off like five minutes ago. <laughs> Our attitude towards time is connected to how, we, how well we relate to it. We can create all sorts of things in life. We can create relationships, we can create new ideas, we can create businesses, we can create fun, but you can't create more time. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. So we have this finite resource, which is actually probably one of the most important resources that we have. 
What do we do with that? And so there's this section of Job. If you know anything about Job, the, the entire kind of book in the Old Testament, this old wisdom which actually says, um, it's strange, like God and the devil kind of got together and had a, a, a bet. Well, I bet you this guy will fall if you kind of take everything away from him. And so Job loses his family, he loses all his money, he loses all his resources, everything, and he's kind of in this pit and he's just in his turmoil. And then his friends come and sit with him, and that's great because they're just sitting with him and he's just, just kind of verbalising stuff. And then they speak and then that's not that great because they weren't awesome. The Job is in this turmoil and he says this in this section. Talking about God, talking about in his depth of despair, he says, you have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we'll live and we are not given a minute longer. There is this ancient wisdom that says, we only have this much amount of time. We cannot create more time. We can't actually make life longer because God has a certain amount of time that he's allocated to us. Now that may bring out a couple of different responses for you there. You might be going, oh, excellent. I'm really excited about that. Let me live life to full, its full potential. Or you, or you might be going, oh, what's the point? Can't do anything anyway. It's, it's finite. I'll just do nothing. What would life look like for you then if you went, hey, excellent, let's live it to its full potential. Let's look at it from a positive perspective. Because Job certainly wasn't looking at it from a positive perspective here. Because after this verse, he actually goes, just take me now, I'm done. So our perspective of life and perspective of time is actually one of the major factors as to how we live. So we consider then that time is finite. We have a limited amount of time. This next verse from uh, Ephesians, Paul is writing to the, the church in Ephesus. And he, he's been talking about um, some good ways to live, some, some things to get rid of, so, you know, from, from like old life, from stuff that we've made mistakes with, you know, get bitterness, rage, all that kind of stuff. Get rid of that and then put on, um, put on righteousness, put on holiness. And he jumps to this bit. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be careful then how you live. Take great care how you live. Live on purpose, not as unwise, but as wise. So wisdom, which comes from God and the Spirit of God, and this section here, making the most of every opportunity, literally means redeem every opportunity, redeem your time, make the most of your time with every single aspect that you get, you redeem it. Don't waste it, sit with it. Because the days are evil. Well, that's nice. Talking about, I mean, had a specific thing that he was mentioning in their culture there that had some, some evil happening in their culture. But I think when it comes to time and the use of our time here in Australian culture and how we do things, when we talk about the days are evil, I would consider that the days are evil would be, hey, just, just take it easy, waste your time. There are things that are, we are encouraged to do or not to do, which I would consider to be a waste of time and us not redeeming it. So that's kind of the context that we've started with. Let me give you four applications or observations about time, which you probably know anyway because you're an intelligent people and you've done some really cool um, series, series I, series 
here at Elevate before. But this is, again, probably a really cool reminder for us. So the first observation with time has to do with $5 notes. Lots of them. When it comes to the most important areas of our life, small investments of time over time are cumulative. When it comes to the, the most important areas of our life, small investments of time over time are cumulative. They add up. They create an amount. $5 notes. My challenge this year for myself was to not spend any $5 notes. Whenever I got a $5 note, I would put it away and save it. Now, I buy coffee. Coffee costs... $4, $4.50. So in any given day, I'm getting like two $5 notes. It has taken a whole lot of discipline. But now, so since, since January up to, what are we, October, I have this wad of $5 notes that's sitting in my, I'm not going to tell you where it's sitting. <laughs> but it's bigger than this. Like I have this wad. And so there's this evidence that, yeah, time or amounts, small amounts over time adds up. When we're talking about things, like the important things in life, and this is kind of where you value, how you value things, it's up to you. So when you talk about the important things in life, you think about, okay, what's important to me? So for me, uh, staying, staying fit and healthy is really important. So if you haven't been doing anything and you start kind of doing five minutes of fitness every single day, like just go for a walk for five minutes. Over a week, that's 35 minutes. And so if you had a whole year where you spent 35 minutes just doing some fitness, that adds up. Like if you, if you, in a year from now, you went, oh, I'd like to spend four hours or 40 hours just doing some fitness. Would that be of interest to you? Like, yeah, that's a good idea. Small amounts of time over time. When it comes to finances, perhaps finances are, are important to you. Or they're, they're valuable. How are you setting aside your $5 notes? How are you doing that? What are you doing with your finances? Just small piece by piece by piece. They're the easy parts. They're measurable. How about relationships? How are you investing in those valuable relationships? Small amounts. Over time, how is that accumulating? Who are the important people in your life? Your spouse? Other family members? Work colleagues? How are you investing in yourself? If you go, well, I, I value my own growth, I value my own ability to, to learn and develop, how are you investing small amounts of time over time so that creates something? And then spiritually as well, this is a really difficult one to measure. How are you investing small amounts of time in your spiritual journey? Because we're all spiritual beings. And here's a, like a, a small example of something that I have stumbled across. Like I, after Bible college, you know, you kind of spend a bit of time going, well, I want to make sure I read the Bible. And so you read the Bible. There's a, you know, the whole read the Bible in a year type scenario where you sit down and you read a few chapters a day and you kind of churn through it. And then after 12 months, you're like, yeah, I've read the whole Bible. So I did that a couple of times and then went, yeah. I don't actually know what's in it, but I've read it. 
So I was really challenged. I felt God really challenged me and say, just sit with it. Just dwell. And so I dedicated myself to read just one verse of Scripture a day. Just one verse. Spend a few minutes just sitting with it. And then over a week, do that and then change to the next verse. And so like really slowly read through Scripture. And I have to be really honest with you, because sometimes it's just like, yep, read the verse, great. But over the last few years, I have lived in Luke kind of 14 through to 17, and I've started with Romans as well, because Romans is one of those books that I'd always found in the New Testament really challenging that I couldn't quite understand it. So I thought, if I sit with it, and I'm up to Romans 9. So like I've spent the last few years living in these books, Small amounts of time over time. Now, I'm no incredible theologian, but I know bits and pieces about what these things are saying. I'm happy with that investment of time. Small amounts of time over time is cumulative. That's the first observation. The second observation is that neglect is also cumulative. How many people can relate to this? I probably will die next to a stack of unread books. Perhaps that's just me. I have a, have a stack of books next to my bed. We have the best intentions. If you were to gather three books a year and go, yeah, I'd love to read that and whack it next to your bed. And then if you did that over 40 years, that's a lot of unread books. But when it comes to the important things to, in life, neglect is also cumulative. You can talk about all the days in a row that you haven't done any exercise for. You can talk about um, all the times that you haven't saved any money. You know, 20 years of not putting $10 aside a week is nothing. You can talk about the relationships that you haven't invested in. 10 years of not talking to someone is, well, you're a stranger now. And you can talk about um, your spiritual journey. 12 months of not reading scripture is nothing. 365 days of not spending time praying, nothing. So neglect adds up. Neglect in the areas that are most important to you is cumulative. And so my hope this morning is potentially there might be some things that God might be sharing with you and saying, hey, there's this area of your life that you've been neglecting. That's okay. It's never any judgment from me. Like there's areas in my life that I've been neglecting that God's saying, hey, this is adding up. If you say you value this, then let's see you dedicate some time to it. Small pieces. So small amounts of time over time is cumulative. Neglect is also cumulative. The third one, random has no cumulative effect. Random has no cumulative effect. Now, there's this image here which some people may actually relate to. Uh, has anyone watched Netflix? 
Yeah. Anyone feel super judged when they're sitting there watching Netflix and it comes up with this? Like, are you still watching? You haven't touched a button for a while. Are you still? Yeah. So if you don't understand this at all, like if, you are, if you're watching Netflix on a, and there's like a series and they call it binge watching, like you're just going, I just want to watch this for the rest of my life. Yes. And then after a while, Netflix goes, you haven't touched any buttons or anything. Like it's just kind of re- replaying. Are you, are you still there? Are you okay? Like it's almost, this, do I need to send an ambulance? Like coffee, something, can I, can I help you out? But it really, it feels like it's judging you. Yes, I've sat here for two hours and watched this. Random has no cumulative effect. There are things that we do instead of doing the things that are important. Instead of investing time into the important things, there are things that we do. Now, these aren't necessarily bad things. I'm not saying Netflix is bad, but I'm saying sometimes we take things and make them bad because we prioritise them above the important things. And so when it comes to... Um, oh yeah, I was going to have dinner with a family, but I decided to send an email. Yeah, great, email adds up to nothing. Like random has no cumulative effect. It has no value whatsoever. Instead of hanging out with my wife or dedicating a night to my wife, I decided to finish Brooklyn Nine-Nine season three. Like it's... (laughs) Sorry, that was a real insight into my life just then. Yeah. And so, great, I've accomplished, i finished watching that thing, but that adds up to, that's nothing. It makes no difference whatsoever. It's not valuable. I haven't invested time in the right place because I've done random, done random. I'm not practising my musical instrument because I'm playing a video game. I'm not, um, I'm not talking to my kids. I'm not helping them with their life because um, I'm Googling how to, draw or something. Like it's, there are things that are a distraction. They are absolutely random and they carry no value whatsoever, but we place them in importance over those priorities for whatever reason, but it has no value. Random has no cumulative effect. So investing small amounts of time over time in the important areas of life has a cumulative effect. Neglect has an accum- a cumulative effect in those areas. Random has no cumulative effect. And finally, the fourth observation about time this morning is that you cannot cram for the important areas of life. Has anyone ever studied for an exam and haven't really paid attention? I'm sure there's no one in this room, but... And then at the, the very end, you're like, oh, I have an exam tomorrow. I'm going to spend this entire night just looking at this book, which I haven't opened all semester and it's going to fill my head with the knowledge and we're going to be fine. Anyone ever done that? Yeah, I did that. I, did, I studied economics in year 12. Um, I went to my first year uni, actually. I started banking and international finance. I did that for a term. I finished one subject, which was economics. I failed it. But the important thing is well, I passed year 12 economics, but I kind of wasn't really paying attention. I didn't understand it. Uh, and so the, the night before the exam, this was my last exam before I finished school and had freedom forever. Um, and I thought, yeah, I'll cram and kind of crammed and just got over the line and that was fine. Just kinda, I think I spent about 45 minutes to an hour in this three-hour exam and somehow masterfully passed. When it comes to the important areas of life, you cannot cram to make up for lost time. You can't. 
You can't all of a sudden sit down the night before and like exercise for seven hours in a row and then be 10 years healthier the next day. It doesn't work that way. You cannot um, sit down the night before and spend six hours working through your finances and then be debt free the next day. You cannot sit down the night before and have a, a seven hour long conversation with your spouse and all of a sudden make up for lost time and be really well connected and have worked through all those disagreements. It doesn't work like that. You cannot sit down on Saturday night before a Sunday morning service and pray your heart out for seven hours because you probably fall asleep. And then the next day, have this real depth of maturity, like spiritual maturity. Doesn't work like that. But we feel like we need to, we can do that. We feel like if we just kind of cram and, and just jam it all in, then everything will be fine. We put pressure on us. And sometimes we say, I work better under pressure. Sometimes our best results come as we kind of cram things in. I think that's a huge lie that we tell ourselves. Gives us an excuse to not necessarily do as well as we could have, but like, ah, yeah, I work well under pressure. Is it possible that you're better than that? We cannot cram to make up for lost time. Small investments of time over time in the important areas of life is cumulative. Neglect is also cumulative. Random has no cumulative effect and you cannot cram for the most important areas of life. Now that may sound a little sad. Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Second best time is today. And so when we talk about what are the things that you value, When you think about the things that you value and you think about how you're spending your time, do they match up? Is God saying something to you like, oh yeah, you say you value relationships, but you're actually not giving it anything. You're not giving it any time. You say you really value being a godly person, whatever that looks like. You value being a follower of Christ, but what does that look like with your time? I always say to people, if you show me your bank statement and your calendar, I will show you what you worship. Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your money? That's what you value. That's okay. Like If your values aren't matching up with what you say they are, that's all right. Just notice it. There's no judgment. But what is it that you can do now? What is God saying to you now? Where do you start? Where do you need to start just making small investments of time over time to create that cumulative effect? Where, what would you like to be like in 12 months? It's kind of goal setting. Where, where do you see yourself in five years? But you know, what, what are the things that you value that you'd like to increase and grow in over the next 12 months? Where do those small investments of time start coming? The worst thing you can do right now is go, well, I haven't looked at my Bible for a year. I'm going to go home and read the whole thing. You'll hurt yourself. I haven't exercised in a couple of years. I'm going to go to the gym and use every single machine seven times. You'll hurt yourself. Where do you need to start making small investments over time? What are the important things in your life? What is God saying to you this morning?
Yeah, let me pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are a good God. I want to thank you that you're gracious, that you don't um, heap guilt on us, that you just help us notice things. And I pray that your spirit has, has assisted us this morning. That perhaps you've said some things to us and, and to me as well about where are those areas which I say are important, our priorities, but aren't necessarily being backed up by my behaviour. And Father, perhaps it's fear of failure that's keeping us or keeping me from stepping out and doing those things. But would you give us the courage? Would your spirit prompt us to take small steps, small investments, consistently over time to make a difference in us, in those around us, in our community, in our world, Father, how can we do that starting today? How can we plant a tree now so that over time we can create the benefit of shade, fruit, root system, aesthetics? What does that look like for us? What kind of trees do we want in our life, Father? What do we want our relationship forest to look like? What do we want our finance forest to look like? What do we want our spirituality forest to look like, God? Would you help us visualise that? And then take a step out, small step, over time, consistently, and it creates a cumulative effect. And you bless that, God. You work in that. Thank you that you care for us so much that you want us to reach our full potential. You want us to get the best out of ourselves. Give us your spirit to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.